welcome to The Authority On, a podcast brought to you by Device Authority. I'm Paul Lockley and with me today... Uh, Robert Dobson, nice to be here and talking to you again, Paul. Yes, it's our favourite thing of the week. Okay, so there's lots going on in IoT. I was recently looking through uh, the Ponemon uh, report and it sort of highlighted some of the things that we know already. And the big movers and shakers in um, IoT are people's desire to connect new applications and services at the edge. You know, how do they, I guess, consume and understand and mitigate the impact of regulatory and compliance changes? And how do they make PKI more effective for them outside of the enterprise, using it as that mechanism to identify and validate? And and then the other thing that uh, we saw on there was the challenge of tying all that together and bringing it together through a cohesive uh, set of services. As we know, IoT is all about uh, collaborating and delivering solutions, not uh, fighting your way up the hill uh, as a one man um, solution. And that's never a winning story, is it? Never, ever a winning story, Rob. So one of the things that we want to talk about today is the new EU Cyber Resilience Act and what that actually looks like, um, what it means, and I guess uh, things to consider. So I know you've had a look at that, Rob, um, and had a a sort of a delve into what that means. Um, Do you want to sort of give us a a high level view of of what that uh, piece of legislation is about? Yeah, no worries. And actually, it's an interesting piece of legislation, which is in the proposal phase right now. So and it actually was uh, published on the 15th of September, so not that long ago, quite recent. Um, and it's really talking about four key principles. And one of those is to ensure that manufacturers improve the security of products with any digital element um, through the life cycle of the device. Um, and that includes effectively like a secure by design approach to building the right security controls and mechanisms in place for those products that carry digital elements. Second part to that is around ensuring a coherent cybersecurity framework for compliance for hardware and software producers to make sure there's that framework they can apply to. Um, the third thing is around enhancing the transparency of security properties with digital elements. And I guess the last thing in there is looking at businesses and consumers um, and how they can use products with digital elements securely. Um, so those real four key areas there where the, the EU Cyber Resilience Act is really trying to address. I know they're quite woolly, but it's um, a sort of top level view. No surprises there, regulation <laughs> and wooliness. So why do, you, why do you think that's being pushed now as opposed to last year's about, as opposed to a bit further down? Is there a key driver? Yeah, it's a good question. Actually, if you look in the report, they call out a number of um, sort of key things as well. Um, fundamentally, things like the increase in trend, the trends of cybersecurity attacks on hardware and software products, right? It's, uh, it's that's, a, that's an increasing trend. And we've seen that over the last six, 12, I don't know, ever since I've been in cybersecurity, it seems to be going up uh, at a phenomenal rate. And uh, the problems associated with that. And that's, you know, leading to things like huge amounts of um, economic damage, right? So I think in the report talks about 5.5 trillion euros in 2021 wow. associated with cyber attacks, which is a, you know, it's a big number. And that's not to mention the things like the cost for the users and society in general. So I think, you know, 
clearly there's an evolving theme around that and uh, things like the wars in various areas and instrument of government government attacks um, yeah. don't help that. Well, that number seems to be going up almost exponentially, that exposure and risk value. Yeah. And so, I would just say and I would just say as well that um, last year, the, the ANISA published some reports for um, supply chain attacks as well, where they recognise things like 66% of attacks are on suppliers' code, right? Wow. So, you know, you think about that and and we'll talk about some of the, the principles in the FCE Cyber Resilience Act and think that that's what's driving some of the new EU legislation. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting that those points, you know, those areas where, you know, that that concentration of vulnerability seems to be going up as well. They're, they're not picking at the edges anymore. They're getting right into the middle of it uh, where that risk exists. And, and people are building um, products and writing software, which is not robust enough, clearly. So, yeah. so, so what do you think the mandate is for this new, uh, this new regulatory act? Is it, um, what, is there a set of minimum requirements that people are going to have to achieve to, to, to hit compliance? Yeah, that's a good question. And actually, if, um, if you look at the detail of it, it kind of splits it out to a couple of key areas. One is um, really classify, you look at it in the appendix and the annex actually, it talks to what are the essential security requirements for connected devices. Um, and that's really around, you know, being able to set out a set of mechanisms and controls for, um, you know, connected devices or manufacturers of those connected devices that must adhere to. So things like they must be designed and developed and produced with appropriate level of cybersecurity. Okay. Um, be delivered without known exploitable vulnerabilities. That's a big thing, right? So you think about products that are delivered in the market with older legacy tech. Don't do that. Right? Yeah. It has to be up to date. No vulnerabilities known in the product. Um, prevent against unauthorized access. It talks actually, funnily enough, about authentication and identity management. Clearly, an area which device authority and we we spend a lot of our time talking to customers about. Um, protect the integrity of stored, transmitted, and processed data limited tax service. I'm just picking a few things out here, right? Yeah. Um, but I guess in, in this section here as well, they talk about address future vulnerability through secure updates. Right? If clearly, um, vulnerabilities will be found on your products, but you need to do something about it, right? If you've got no way yeah. to update them or patch them, then that's yeah, big, big problem. So that's, yeah. that's one area that it calls out for. The second area is around what are the central vulnerability requirements for IoT manufacturers? So talking about vulnerability management and one of the key things which actually got is into this uh, uh, proposal is software bill of materials in every machine readable format. So any vendor out there that's producing software is to be able to produce that software bill of materials and be able to share that. Yeah. Um, address and remediate vulnerabilities without delay, it calls for. In actual fact, um, if you look at the proposal, it actually goes into some detail around you know, what do, you, do vendors need to do to report any critical vulnerability on the device? In fact, they have to do that, those vendors, within a 24-hour period to ANISA. Um, yeah. So that's a fundamental thing there. Another thing in the report talks about facilitating information sharing about the vulnerabilities and being able to disseminate patches without delay. So that's sort of kind of some of the principles. There's some quite a lot of detailed controls in there, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. And, and it's funny, we, we, you start to see those minimum checkboxes appear as standard in all modern regulatory frameworks right 
it's yeah, it's about yeah. what what are you going to do if there is a problem how are you going to report it and what's your mechanism to remediate it and everybody's yeah. on point for it yeah and just one last point on that when you when you were looking at when i was looking at the uh the uh, supply chain attack report which the anisa did last year that you know they're talking about i think it was 68 percent which is uh, instrument attacks was exploiting the code so yeah. clearly SBOM piece and the vulnerability management in there and giving visibility in the supply chain, what software's running, what product, yeah. is going to help try and address some of that. It's not a silver bullet, but it's going to help try and address some of that. Yeah. So so interestingly, then, is this is this regulatory um, act going to be focused on a particular subclass of devices or is it quite generic? Is it going to cover everything? Because I know if you look at the uh, Biden executive order, that was about doing certain things, but it was selling into the federal space only. It wasn't applied to everything. Yeah, and it's and if you look at actually Annex Three inside the proposal talks about different classification of devices. Class One are type of devices are things like identity management systems, password managers, network management systems, CIMs, yep. update patch management, and so forth. And then it talks to um, things like microprocessors, microcontrollers, ASICs in there as well, industrial automation control systems, things like PLC, SCADA systems, and industrial Internet of Things um, types of devices. Okay. Um, and then they talk about class two devices, things like operating systems, general purpose microcontrollers, hardware security modules, secure elements, mm. all those types of things. So yeah, there's a, there's a wide spread of products covered in those different classes of devices. Excellent. Well, it, so generic, but also focused at the same time in some in some areas. Yes, okay. interesting. Exactly. Fluffy and open to interpretation if they're not careful. Yeah. Um, so what was the time scale for this then? Um, you know, is it um, is it defined like things like WP29 where you've got a, a hard date or is it um, open to interpretations that are nice to have and if you could try and make some effort to achieve it sometime in the next x amount of years we'd be happy yeah well it's one of these things where um it's gone out as proposal phase there's now a deliberation over the proposal which i guess will be probably sort of a 12 month type period then beyond that the eu set out you know there were 24 month periods for companies and producers and so forth then to adapt to the new legislation and then there's a 12-month grace period for beyond that as well so it's you know you're talking three or four years away i think in reality okay so people have still got time no excuses <laughs> yeah but it, but it's an important interesting point they still got time though paul but clearly if you're going to ship a product now and you want to sort of future proof your design it's worth thinking about how you might do some of this stuff up front now and uh yeah but also also rob you know the conversation that we have very often is i can make it work for greenfield but what about the brownfield yeah 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 exactly so so we understand the carrot you know the incentive to keep keep selling keep making your product compliant but what what's the stick the big stick the big stick <laughs> or the little stick depending on how they're going to enforce it yeah, well, I think it actually it calls out it's kind of in a similar way to GDPR. Um, there's a couple of points it calls out in Article 53 in there, which is um, penalties. Um, so point two is around non-compliance with essential cybersecurity requirements. So 
We talk about those secure by design approaches that I was talking about earlier, and it calls to 15 million euro fine or up to two and a half percent of worldwide um, turnover. Uh, point, uh, there's another point in there that talks to non-compliance under regulation, so being up to 10 million or two percent of turnover. Or if you're, you know, if you're a vendor and you're trying to pull wool over the EU's eyes, then um, it is up to five million euro, one percent of turnover. So there's there's a structure of fines in there, which will time will tell if there's any teeth behind them. Well, you know that the you can always put on there what the worst case scenario is. It's whether you uh, temper that too many times and people think, ah, you know, I'll I'll take a couple of hits from that before I do anything about it. It needs yeah. to be a big stick and it needs to be swung pretty, pretty heavy. <laughs> um, well, look, that's all we've got time for today. Thanks, Rob, for your time. It's always a pleasure. Um, look forward to the next podcast and introducing to the next change in IoT. For now, it's good night from me. And it's good night from him. Thank you very much, everyone. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Authority On, a podcast brought to you by Device Authority. If you have any questions about the subject matter in this podcast, please head to the Device Authority website, deviceauthority.com. See you next time. Mm-hmm.